0: How'd it go in there? Pretty freaky, huh? You see Arthur? He's wandering around here somewhere. I'm kidding. Lighten up. You got one of these? It's a great memo. It's an oldie but a goodie. I got your heart racing, don't I?
1: I don't know what the hell it is you think you're doing.
0: What do you think I'm doing?
1: The suit's over, we have a deal. Whatever that is, it's uh, meaningless at this
0: point. You think? I must have gotten it wrong, I thought you had a tentative proposal. I didn't realize you'd signed all those checks. It's a drag, I got a thousand of these things, what the hell am I gonna do with them?
1: I'm calling Marty.
0: Good, good, do it. That's a great place to start. Let's find out who told him that Arthur was calling Anna Kaiserson. Let's find out who tapped those phones.
1: This, this memorandum, even if it's authentic, which I doubt, I highly... I know
0: what you did to Arthur. It's
1: protected. It belongs to you, North. I know you killed him. It's a cut-and-dry case of attorney-client privilege. See, now,
0: that's just not the way to go here, Karen. For such a smart person, you really are lost, aren't you?
1: This conversation is over.
0: I'm not the guy that you kill. I'm the guy that you buy. Are you so fucking blind you don't even see what I am? I'm the easiest part of your whole goddamn problem and you're gonna kill me? Don't you know who I am? I'm a fixer. I'm a bag man. I do everything from shoplifting housewives to bent congressmen and you're gonna kill me? What do you need, Karen? Lay it on me. You want a carry permit? You want a heads-up on an insider trading subpoena? I sold out Arthur for 80 grand and a three-year contract and you're gonna kill me? You want? What do I want?
1: Mm.
0: I want more. I want out. And with this, I want everything.
1: Is there a number?
0: Ten is a number.
1: Ten? Ten what? Ten million? Where do you think where do you think I'm gonna get ten million dollars?
0: You know what's great about this? Did you read it all the way to the end? You see who signed it? Let's go into that ballroom and ask Don Jeffries if he wants to pass the hat for a worthy cause.
1: This would have to be a longer conversation mm-hmm. and, it, and would have to take place somewhere else.
0: Where, my car? All right, I'm gonna make it easy. Let's make it five. Five and I'll forget about Arthur.
1: Five is easier. Yeah, five is something we, we could talk about.
0: Good. And then the other five is to forget about the 468 people that you knocked off with your weed killer.
1: Let me finish up this meeting.
0: I'll talk to Do Don. Do I look like I'm negotiating? Karen?
1: One second. Everything okay? Yes.
0: Ten million dollars. Bank of my choosing. Offshore, immediately. Yes. Say it.
1: Ten million dollars. Your account. The moment this meeting is... Karen! Turned. Everyone's waiting. I'm coming, Don. You have a deal.
0: You're so fucked. What? You're fucked. What do you mean? Take a wild guess.
2: Travis Roy, coming to a speaker near you, right now.
3: Ah!
2: Oh, my lungs Ah. work again. It's so nice to have a functioning body. Michael Govier is my name. And these are two of my oldest pals, Travis Roy and Eric Bransham. And this is the Cinema Eye Podcast. We've done this now for a few years. We love movies. We love talking mm. about movies. We do. And Travis, you love film, don't you?
4: Sure. I think we should start a podcast
2: about it. Maybe we should. Yeah, I know. We talk about it so much. We should just do it. That's Good what idea. I think we should do. Yeah. yeah. Eric Bransham, you're my friend. It's great to see you. Happy New Year 2023. Are you excited for this year in film?
5: I looked at the 2023 uh, releases and... There's a lot of stuff. on It's it's weird being a fan like me that, like, usually, like, I have to wait till, like, November to, like, see all the movies that I really, really want to see. So, like, it's almost a year away. Like, I'm not a big blockbuster person. But, yeah, there's some good stuff coming, man.
2: Bye. Well, hey, guys. We're going to talk about it all this year and more. Today's focus will be. You can fast forward, by the way, if you're watching this on replay because we timestamp things now. For the main event, the focus Michael Clayton, 2007 film directed by Tony Gilroy. We'll talk about that a little later. Like I said, use the chapters to your pleasure. But in the meantime, we're going to say hello to you. Happy New Year, CinemaNinePod at gmail.com. Five-star reviews, all that stuff. You know how podcasts work. You know how shows work. We'd love to continue to grow and share with you. If there's any ideas you guys have for us, throw them our way. CinemaNinePod at gmail.com. Email us or socialize with us on the social medias. Travis, uh, I know you quit Twitter, but uh, we still have a Pod on Twitter.
4: We do. I, I have not checked in at all. I've I've just completely <laughs> uh, divorced myself from most social media. Uh, it's been great. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'll just check a... in every now and then on Facebook with family, but that's pretty much all I've been doing. And that's even that's pretty rare.
2: Wow. Yeah. Is this like a concerted effort or just random chance?
4: Um when douchebag took over Twitter and everything started getting sour really fast, I was like, um, this is not a fun experience. And it really wasn't fun before that. Um, you know, it's not you know fun. It, it wasn't fun before that. So I, I, I enjoyed getting off Twitter so much that I was like, Oh, I should kind of get off everything else. But also I hadn't really, I wasn't really on much else. That was kind of like my main, my main feed. So, uh, oh. since then, it's oh. been, uh, it's been nice. I picked up a book. Yeah. I what? You read I a book? It, I picked it up for like a few minutes and I looked at it and went oh that's a book. And I set <laughs> it down. <We'll
3: take> life.
2: <laughs> uh, do you guys do you guys that reminds me? I got a gift. Someone gave me a book for Christmas. It's more of a mm. fun, like sitting on the toilet book about baseball. Okay. You know, it's big, it's bigger. It's yeah. not like your standard paperback. Toilet book. Uh, your
4: standard toilet book.
2: I definitely made a joke about when I opened it because it was Christmas morning at Leanne's parents' house. I said, Oh, I'm going to love this on the toilet. I definitely made a toilet joke. (laughs) I know it's surprising to some people, but, um, but, uh, Eric, do you still get gifts on Christmas? Was it fun for you at all? Or is that those days over? Um, I'm really excited about cinema
5: speculation. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's book. I'm going to, uh, San Francisco next month and it's a five hour plane ride. So I'm excited to, to dive back into this and, uh, it's been really good so far. I'm, I'm pumped.
2: You go to right. San Fran?
5: Yeah. President's Day weekend. I got four days off. So wife and I are like, fuck it. I'd like to check out Bodega Bay where they film the birds. So we're going to go up to that area and check it out.
2: Oh. That's wow. fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I, I've been there once. I visited a someday soon guest of the show, Paul Freeling there back in 2016. And we watched in real time the release of... Batman v. Superman. Martha! <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. We'll always have that, Paul, right? Me, yeah. you, and Veronica, and Matt watched oh. that horrendous film in 2016 <laughs> in San Francisco. That's my memory. I drove up from L.A. I flew into L.A., drove up there, stayed there 36 hours, hauled ass back down the Pacific Highway, left. It was a strange <laughs> trip, but uh, I hope... I don't know if is Travis... Are you allowed to say San Fran, or or which one do they hate? I know they hate one of those. Like, you can't say
4: Frisco... They don't like either one, as I understand. It. It's the city out oh, here.
2: It's just yeah. the city. Okay. Um, but, well, I don't want Eric to make a faux pas while he's there. So I'm trying I've to never been there.
4: So I, what the fuck do I know? But um, I have been <laughs> things. Heard I'm things. just gonna make sure a I get that. am uh,
5: gonna make sure I get that. Like, watch out for a shit app that I understand is a thing. It tells you uh, where there's uh, human excrement Like, it's an app. It says it, like people like chart it, so you know not to step in it. Oh.
4: So rather than like, cleaning it up, they just <laughs> made an app. Take a picture of it and send it off to yeah. an app. Cool. <laughs> love I love the world that we're uh, crafting for
2: ourselves. Oh uh, well. <laughs> hey man, this is life and it's something like it. So remember that we love you. And we're gonna talk about Michael Clayton in a little while, but we thought we would uh Mix it up a little bit. We're going to give you our uh, quarantine viewing picks, which is a tradition on this show. For newcomers, that's where we share some movies we've watched recently that we'd like to recommend or shit on. It's up to us individually. But first, how about topical movie discussion? I don't know what we're calling it, but this is a topical (laughs) movie conversation. What's going on in film lately? What's got our gears churning in our minds here? Travis, I'd like you to open the floor. Mm -hmm. Can you give me something that you're just thinking about when it comes to film or movies, something you're excited about or something you saw that was like, oh my God, why is this happening? What is on your mind?
4: Uh, I find it really interesting that there has been a lawsuit um, that's been recently filed by Olivia Hussey and Leonard Whiting, <laughs> who were the uh, teen stars of Romeo and Juliet all the way back in 1968. They have sued uh, the director of that film, Franco Zeffirelli for the, Full frontal nudity of, uh, of, well, certainly of Olivia Hussey. I don't remember Le- Leonard Whiting being naked in that movie, but I do remember you guys ever oh. watched this movie yeah. in like English. Yeah, class? and it's in like, its entirety, unedited.
5: Yeah. I remember the VHS yeah. case, so we you must have do seen the scene. Do you remember anyone?
4: Do you remember any, anyone hanging dog? I
5: absolutely remember Olivia Hussey, but uh, I do remember yeah. uh, the other fella, uh, butt shot, butt shot. I don't remember no oh. dong, oh, but well, still, I mean, it was fifteen years old.
4: And yeah, he was 15 years old. So, so was she or maybe 16. They were underage kids. Yeah. And here they are um, decades later, you know, with the, the climate change being like, hey, you know, we've we've experienced uh, trauma from from this. And, and the years of people like looking at our bodies and commenting on it in public. So I find it really fascinating that um, that this has happened. What do you guys think?
2: But gotcha! that's what that made me think of when he said, but sorry, hmm. I'm immature, okay. but I think it's. Uh, they were actually underage, or they were 18 acting as underage? They were underage.
5: 15 and underage. 16, respectively. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah.
5: Full, topless shot by Olivia Hussey. Um, yeah, I read this story, too. Uh, you know, I'm interested in the uh, the background behind this um, story. I mean, 50 years. I mean, these litigants have yeah. to either be dead or it's just, a, you know, whomever. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what to think, man. I mean, more power to them, I guess. it is. It's some bullshit. I mean, but.
4: Yeah, justice can come slowly, I guess, if it I mean if it comes at all. Uh it's certainly I think it says a lot about uh how standards have changed and how mm. you know, things that we might think of as acceptable and accepted even, you know, years later that, that those cast members might turn around and be like, "Hey, actually we're suing. We're not thrilled about this. Why did you watch this in your ninth grade English class?"
3: <laughs> I say, "I don't know why."
2: That's what? wow. Okay, well shit. But
4: scratch, Mike?
2: oh yeah i got something but i want eric to go because i'm going to close it oh, out okay. i'm going to close the section out
4: so but, uh, please, that's your commentary for this subject
2: okay. <laughs> oh more the butt scratcher i'm just shocked that i'm shocked that even in the 90s that happened uh because know, it's 1960s. been pretty oh this is in the 68 60s?
4: yeah are you paying attention to what i'm saying yes. 68 i
2: thought you said 98 i swear i listened to you and i thought you said 1998 i was like i don't remember that movie yeah. and i just kept listening
4: That's why, if it happened in 1998, it would have been really hard for us to watch it in ninth grade English class.
2: (laughs) That's what I was under the assumption that was happening. Oh my God, I'm stupid. (laughs) Guys, we don't always get them right here at Cinnamon Eye, but when we get it wrong, we tell it like it is. All
5: right, Right so, yeah.
4: Fascinating, Eric. What about you? Any uh, news tidbit tidbits?
5: I'm not. A, I'm not tidbit. blown away by Aaron Taylor Johnson taking on James Bond. Uh, this, is, this is what everybody's talking about. I mean, it's <gasps> it's, it's about to be announced, <gasps> and uh, I, heard that. I think this is bullshit. I mean, we've got. I've only seen this guy be good once in Nocturnal Animals. He was fantastic, but yeah, he was sorry. also like completely unlike James Bond. You know, the debonair uh, action star that I. You know, I'm I'm so so. I'm not a huge James Bond fan, but like I was really hoping yeah. for kind of a surprise on this because this tenure lasts like a long, long time. To so just dip into like standard, like hot, middle, like white guy with this fella who's mediocre at
4: best. A little disappointed with this casting choice. I feel like he's one of those guys that they're really trying to make a thing. Mm-hmm. They're really trying yep. to make like a big celebrity. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's okay. He's okay. He's got I connections. He's, the, he's yeah. married to
2: someone. Isn't he married to someone that is of relevance?
4: Yeah. His, that wife is, any? his wife is a big time director, I guess, but I mean, that's, you know, I don't know if he's, I don't know how many strings she's pulling for him at this point, but yeah, <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't heard this news. Um, we'll see if it bears out, but uh, I feel like, I just feel like that's, that's not going to happen. I don't know where you, what your sources are. Um Where where have you read this?
5: Like all all my trusted sites are saying that it's the pens are out. But
4: uh, lots of people are saying lots of people are saying it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. You give me a name source like like what are your trusted sites? Screen Rant coming soon (laughs) slash film. Deadline
5: like a a lot of folks. I'll miss that. Um, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's too soon. Uh, to even start thinking about James Bond again, I think we need to miss him before he comes back so soon. Uh, so I, you know, I'd be cool with like a five-year break. But
2: well, there's never been a break, Eric, has there? In our entire lifetime, aren't we always
5: churning out oh, the next dude. Bond? Yeah, every... we die another day in Casino Royale. I think that was a good four or five years.
2: Yeah, at least. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. a Bond guy at all. I'm like the least Bond guy there ever was. As obvious. Obvious comment coming here that, you know, playing Bond on N64, that was the best Bond experience I'll ever have, Travis. The great times we had at your house.
0: Wow, wonderful playing
2: times. Goldeneye. Those were great times. So James Bond did give me that, and I can't blame. I can't be mad at him for that. Thank you, James Bond, for all the wonderful video game playing that I was allowed to experience with my friends back in the 90s. Sure.
4: Is James Bond even really a character anymore? I mean, what he was before was like a, a spy who was also a... Um, enthusiastic misogynist i guess i don't know what else you would uh, call that side hobby that he had going on but you kind of take that part (laughs) out of it the womanizing and uh what do you got you have a a spy for the british empire and that's pretty much it what do you got (laughs) what do you got yeah i don't
2: know you're right it's not travis it's not our bag it's like high class people love bond because he you know he's got that lifestyle that people want to live and we don't give a fuck about that right
4: i'll take ethan hunt
2: Ooh, okay yeah. Eric do you feel no disrespect to you I'm not a big Bond guy so I don't want you to feel like I'm, I'm not a big attacking.
5: Bond guy either but I, I mean I totally get it he, oh. he he, he does things that like we could never do and he also is just like a human being he's got no superpowers he's not Batman <laughs> he's a guy that does incredible things that are really exciting to watch and yeah he beds beautiful women and that's fun too I mean
2: he used to is that fun I don't think that's fun not anymore no,
5: he used now to he fun.
4: cries and dies <laughs> oh man <laughs>
2: I've never seen any Daniel of these Daniels. Daniel Craig bonds. I've not seen one of these guys. I'll really? reveal. I've not Craig. seen a single Daniel Craig bond. Dude. In fact, yeah. Cena Royale is really I, good. Cena Royale is so fucking good. I bet it is. Is that the one the Mads Michael's? Movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he cries I and that's dies. So, that it was good too. But I bet they're good. I'm not against them. I just that's how little my desire is for Bond. So all mm-hmm. right, well, hey, Aaron yeah. Taylor Johnson was in a movie that you know should have been great. And I liked it when I saw it, but I was also going through drug addiction at the time. A Million Little Pieces, which was the movie based off of the book, which ended up being... Scandalous? Not? Yeah. My, <laughs> scandalous <laughs> is a good word, Travis. A Million Little yeah. Pieces. Even Oprah ripped A Million Little Pieces, guys. She was pissed. Yeah. So, yeah, it sucks because it's a movie about addiction based off the book, which ended up being kind of bullshit. So that sucks. But he, if you take all that out, if you forget about... <laughs> not being true <laughs> Ooh, or lies yeah, yeah, yeah. may have that. been no. created in that book. Aaron Taylor Johnson's singular performance in A Million Little Pieces is quite remarkable. So I will really? say that. Okay. Yeah, that it's a stretch otherwise, though. So I'm really stretching here. Look, guys, I wasn't here last week. And it's really tragic because we had on Dragon Movie Guy. We strongly encourage you guys follow Brian. He's a great dude. Uh, I really wish I could have been on the show because he was in TV news, apparently. And we both had that history. That's fun, Mm -hmm, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, COVID can be a buzzkill for people. And in this day and age, you know, it's not not fun anymore. So I wanted to take my moment here. There's a lot of stuff I could talk about, but I wanted to take my moment to kind of give my waiting thoughts here because uh, it's just such a – Travis, you were right. Travis said it on last week's show that you really wish I was on that show because I could have brought another aspect to the table, you know, Brian liked the movie, right? He still said it held up.
3: Isn't that true? Yes, yeah.
2: And you two had never seen Waiting. But I actually got the most responses I've gotten in a while for our show from people who randomly hit me up pre-watching or view or listening to our show, which you can watch oh, or listen. I'm sure, I'm sure they're, very they're very disappointed.
4: <laughs> they're like, I
2: can't, dude, I can't wait for the Waiting show, dude. I'm so hyped. I had the three people hit me up about that. And I was like, oh, first, oh, I'm yeah. not on it. Yeah. And second of all, two of the guys... I uh, had never seen it until now. So I just want you to be aware that uh, if you love it, you might not love our episode <laughs> where we reviewed waiting. I will say Terrible. the homophobia is horrendous and it's so obvious. Now I was like, whoa, yeah, wow, Jesus. That, it, it, it hits you hard. It's so obvious now. But at the same it's time, cool. they missed they missed a real opportunity because in my experience, as you guys also pointed out on that episode, there, I had a lot of restaurant experience. I worked. I worked at Chili's. I worked at Applebee's. I worked at mm-hmm. GGI Fridays. Right, right. I did all those mothers. Okay, name them all. so name every yeah.
4: restaurant you've ever worked in. We've I did them, two Chili's and two
2: Applebee's. So yeah, i even doubled down in different regions of the country. So I had a lot of experience in those chain franchise restaurants of the 2000s, and waiting nailed it. But where they missed the opportunity, where they could have been more friendly to people of the, you know lgbt world is by having a character who is gay i worked with so many gay people at restaurants like it was really kind of almost it was dumb it was like a complete biff by the writer i know he wrote it out and he wrote it in the late 90s and then it got made in 2005 so even if his attitude had changed there was people that i knew that were openly gay at restaurants and it was actually a welcome place it was there wasn't there's still there's a lot of homophobia in the world back in 2001 or 2004 but at restaurants that I worked at, there was guys who were openly gay and they talked about it and we talked about their lovers and it was a normal thing. So I think the movie really missed that part big time. That was that's a really, really missed opportunity. That that's something I would say about waiting. All
3: right.
5: I don't think that's a mistake. I think that the writer and director clearly is still an immature douchebag who probably doesn't like gay people <laughs> and didn't want to include them.
4: I mean, at one point in the film, like the, one of the characters went out of the way to explain there are no gay people that work at this restaurant. That literally happens in the movie. So it's
2: true. That is yeah. true. You guys are right about that. Yeah, he might I don't know anything about the motherfucker anymore. I don't know what he's doing. Rob McKittrick,
4: I think his name is. Yeah.
2: But having said that, I'm gonna say the movie holds up because it's so specifically well done of capturing I, can't, I can hardly think of a movie, honestly. All the movies we've done, all the movies we talked about, where it really captures a time and a place so succinctly. It really does. It transports me. I throw that movie out, I'm like, holy shit, wow, it is 2003. And I am working at Chili's, and the host is not seating me and screwing me over, and, you know, bus tub pickups, and all this stuff. It's so spot on to that life. So for me, that's why waiting... It's not as funny as I thought it used to be. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' shtick was his shtick. You guys covered that. Um, I don't think it's as funny as it used to be, but I think it really does capture that time and place. How it was done and who was included and who wasn't, that's pretty obvious to me, I think, now. But I I, I just, it's a complex world, you know? The world's gray. It's not black and white, man. So that's my opinion. Also, nostalgia is always a huge driver in these decisions, and neither one of you gave a fuck. When it came nope. to that part of this film, right?
4: No, no fucks.
2: Yeah. So uh, okay, that's it. I just want a dragon movie guy, Brian. You're a great guy. We'll definitely have you back on. Please follow him. Check him out on Instagram and YouTube. He's really well spoken. He's 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 a he's got a nice presence. He's got a nice calming presence. Chad Gibbons commented on the video and he said, I really like this Brian guy. And I agree with you, Chad. I like that Brian guy too. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Sorry for coming out, it. Brian. It was fun. Yeah, that was great. All right, so let's get into quarantine viewing pics now. So I'm getting running down the time codes in real time so I can make my life easier. Oh, uh good. Travis, yeah, thanks buddy.
4: Travis Roy, <laughs> you uh? Have probably watched some things? Oh man, I watched so many movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> With the, you know, the end of break and I'm kind of still sort of on break, but not really. I'm like working like half time, So I've had a lot of time to watch movies. Uh, I won't go into everything I've watched because it, it's it'd be lengthy. Uh, I will say uh, there was a lot of sim- cinematic comfort food. I mean, I just pigged out on some Ooh. classics like uh, both grumpy old men movies, uh, Notting Hill, wrongfully accused, Young Frankenstein, uh-huh. Back to School. Uh, uh Earth girls are easy made an appearance in there uh, and of course Mordecai from 2015. Of course Mordecai
2: of course. your go-to yeah. right there. I'm so glad it's I get to be a part of your life when that was a big deal.
4: I know all about it. It still is it still is a big deal uh, always good comfort food oh and wrongfully accused which uh, is still still Hilarious. makes me laugh stupid as it is it still makes me laugh um,
2: I awesome.
4: some new stuff did you got Mike did you know? that there is a Noah Baumbach film that's about <laughs> the fear of death it's like dude. this movie was made for you or specifically
2: did, yeah. you watch, yeah, like, did you watch my I absolutely watched White, White Noise absolutely did? I did you, hell yeah
4: let's talk it what do you think
2: <sighs> all right let's go right to White Noise look White Noise was a film that I gotta say dude I didn't know anything about the book This is a big deal. This guy's a legend. What's his name? Uh, Don Don. DeLillo. Yeah, Don DeLillo. Thank you, Don DeLillo. I totally biffed it. Uh, pretty legendary writer, based on what I started to dig into it. I had never heard of him, and I kind (laughs) of got—I hate to say this—I kind of got inherent vice vibes on this one. Oh shit! In terms, in terms of the, I know Mm -hmm. it's a director who clearly has a strong affinity for the book, the Mm -hmm. original source, wants to retell it in movie form. And it, I can't even describe to you why it is that way exactly, but it really stuck in my head, Travis. That's what I stuck out to me most like, wow, this, I've got a lot of inherent vice vibes here watching wow. White Noise, and I'm not proud that's
4: of not it. Good. Yeah, that's not no, good. No, mm, it's not so good. We so didn't, so didn't care for it.
2: Well, I, I didn't, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it, but it, it turned me off. But I watched the whole thing and I was curious. Yeah. You know, there was parts where you're like, wow, this is really interesting. And like, yes, the whole, I mean, it's it's about consumerism and death and our endless march. I mean, the product placement and the accuracy of the old school products in this film, the Taco Bell. I mean, it was legendary.
4: Some of the best product placement I've ever seen in film. And historically accurate. Eric, did you watch it?
5: No, I watched the trailer. It looked fucking obnoxious as hell. Yeah, well, it's
4: extremely like it. pretentious. I mean, it's extremely artsy, which is why I think you would like it. It's also about um,
2: academia, so that makes it that just raises a little bit. because That's a big focus.
4: The, the fucking lecture scene with with Cheadle and Driver. I'm like jerking off to this. I love it so much.
2: <laughs> I bet you uh, did, Panama Red.
4: I'd be very happy. Like, I I want I want LCD Sound System to at least be nominated for best uh, film song. Uh, for this. The, the the song that they wrote for this is fantastic. I think the set design, uh, the production design deserves an Academy Award nomination. The costume design deserves an Academy Award nomination. This is one of the most immersive uh, uh pictures i've seen it set in the 1980s ever i mean i felt like i was living in the 1980s watching this thing not just the product placement but again i think that is a really well done part but everything about it i mean like you watch a lot of uh, period pieces set in that time period and you're like yeah okay i literally i mean i haven't checked but i'm like did he fucking like shoot this on old film even it looks so grainy so it looks fantastic it does that third act is rough like it gets real slow and dragging that in the end i'm sorry to say i really love the first two thirds um but it's 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 certainly worth seeing um you you should i mean like if you like movies you'll probably get around to seeing white noise and you should Mm, uh Uh, eric oh go ahead sorry yes yes the (laughs) third
2: act's terrible and the way the movie's set up it it could take you in a lot of directions where you think it might be going. So if, if you don't know the source novel at all, again, you might really not like it. If you, I bet if you did know the source novel and you were a big fan of it, I have a feeling you'll probably love this movie because it seems like it was pretty authentic to what I learned afterwards about White mm-hmm. Noise. So I didn't hate it. I definitely didn't love it. Uh, and it also seems hard to kind of rewatch it. I, I mean... I I give you all the credit in the world, Travis, for everything you said, especially uh, Greta Gerwig's hair, too. I mean, there's just so many little things. Don Mm -hmm. Cheadle, the way he is. I love Cheadle in this movie, and I know you love Don Cheadle already, but Cheadle's performance in this movie was very different for him in a way. I don't know. He was like, he inhabited somebody completely unusual for him, and I really thought he did a great job.
4: I wouldn't even be surprised if there was a best supporting nod for him for this, but Ooh, probably not. Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised because I, I agree. And dude, like talk about a cast. I mean, the people they're just shoved into this movie. Like there goes Andre three thousand. What the <laughs> fuck is he doing in there? Um, yeah. There's like so many people in this movie. It's absurd. But it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's not great. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fair. Eric, you said that you watched a um, Diane Keaton film. Did, it, I did was it by any chance Mac and Rita from this year? <laughs> Hell no. Is that what you watched? <laughs> I watched Mac and Rita from this year, which is literally the movie Big, but instead of an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old turning into Tom Hanks, it's like a 30-year-old turning into Diane King. <laughs> There's <laughs> your elevator literally, pitch? Literally the movie.
0: Okay. Uh, not great. Not great.
4: <laughs> Can't recommend okay. it. I, I did really enjoy Confess Fletch. Did uh, you? This year. John Ham starring as Fletch. Um, you know, oh. these, are, these are based on a series of books, not you know the, the original movies were. So, does it matter that Chevy Chase was in it? Does it matter that I haven't seen the movies, the other Fletch movies, since I was a kid? It didn't matter at all. It was totally entertaining. Um, just like a just watching oh. John Ham do his slick thing, uh, kind of noiry but like comedy. I really enjoyed Fletch Lives. Uh, huh. I, I think it should get some more Fletch. eyes on it. I, I really like, or yeah, I'm sorry, Confess Fletch. It, it was it was quite good. Huh. Um, lastly, but not leastly. I just finished the menu and I fucking <gasps> loved it. I Damn, knew you I would. Was, I had a feeling. I loved it. Wow. In fact, Eric, we, we, fucked up. This, this should have been part of our corner. Horror. corner. Yeah. yeah this, there yeah, is, maybe. I mean, I, there's so much to unpack with this. movie, dude. I'd I be don't know if you want to save it. Cause it's on I HBO max. Know. Yeah. It just dropped on HBO max. Um, I, I almost debate that it's a horror movie, yeah. maybe more of a thriller, but it, it, it uses horrific things to mm. make really intelligent, satirical points. Shit, man. Um, we'll it that. is a lot of fun. I really <laughs> like it. Oh, Sorry? Yeah, What's yeah, that? I, yeah, I want to see that. Um, I almost clicked play on it last
2: night, and I just ran out of time, so I'm going to watch it, though. Dude, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. That's awesome. So there you go. Okay, let's turn it over to Eric Bransham at twenty five fifty. That's our timestamp. <laughs> okay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
5: dude, I checked in with I checked back in with Woody Allen. I I fucked up. I know I made a huge <gasps> declaration that I'm never going back. I've been back many times. Who the fuck am I kidding? I love his films. I'm willing to separate the disgusting monster that he is with the art because the art is so good. And I went back to Manhattan, 1979. Uh, I still think it's one of his. Top three best films. It's still fantastic. We got a 42-year-old man casually dating a 17-year-old, and his, his friends are totally cool with it. Nobody in the entire film has anything like negative to say about the relationship. It's just like <laughs> completely normal in the film. A little problematic, but uh I, I loved I love Manhattan so much. And then I immediately click play on uh Purple Rose of Cairo because I haven't seen this Ooh. in many, many years. Uh Chelsea. Yeah, Jeff Daniels is in it. And it's, it's 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 fun for like 20, 30 minutes, and then it just gets really irritating. It's like, all right, I, I get what's going on here. Aww. It's irritating. Well, yeah, yeah. It's fun while it lasted. Uh, you know, I checked in with Strange World, Travis. I mean, you got to make that Disney Plus subscription work in your <laughs> favor.
0: <laughs> I gave it a shot,
5: man. I've been hearing all the naysaying, and I, I watched it, and... I turned well, I turned it off. I turned it off. It was fucking boring. It was <laughs> so fucking dull. I cannot believe 2022 has two Disney movies that I fucking turned off. I and I'm a patient viewer in animation. Light year and Lightyear. Oh, year. Ter- interminable. In strange ways, I was so fucking bored. And I had shit to do. I'm like, what, why what is this? This is like should have came out like after like Treasure Planet just like dumped out by Disney. Like I get it. Like the first 20 minutes. Great. We're all happy. We're all inclusive. All (laughs) right. Everybody happy now? No one's mad? Everyone feels represented? All right. Now let's tell our story. Then the story's fucking boring and it's derivative. Can't recommend it. It's not great. It's not good. Um, I was surprised, man. I went back to uh, True Crime, 1999 Clint Eastwood movie. I remember being bored in the theaters as a kid. Oh, Watch it, man. Isaiah Washington's fucking fantastic in it. And... I really liked it. I, I might watch it again, dude. I, I really like the 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 story about death row inmate whose last chance for survival is this grizzled reporter who was sent to uh, interview him on his uh, last day. Huh. I don't know what I was thinking, man. It was, it was, it was fantastic. James Woods, say what you will, great in it. Uh, Dennis Leary, fine performance. It was a lot of fun, man. Check it out on HBO Max if you had dismissed it uh, back in the late nineties. As I think it's a good film. I love dismissing uh, things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lastly, dude, um, definitely going to have to retcon my top five of 2022 list. And You know, wow. you knew this was going to happen uh, once yeah. we caught yeah. up on some of the some of the films. Uh-huh. <laughs> Glass Onion. Glass Onion. I fucking loved it. I thought it was fucking oh! amazing.
2: Wow. Well, yeah, it might
5: be my number two. I uh, fucking loved it. I, I didn't what? care for Knives Out. I fucking really? loved Glass Onion. Yeah. That's so weird. Fucking That's awesome. So
4: weird. How do you not care for Knives Out but well, love? Wasn't
5: that Glass good? Onion? And Glass Onion was really it's good. Hard. Uh yeah, I, I fucking loved it so much. It was such a fun story. Daniel Clegg had me laughing out loud. Edward yeah. Norton had me laughing my ass off. I loved <laughs> the script. I hope uh Ryan Johnson, I can't believe I'm fucking saying this, wins best original screenplay. I thought it was the best screenplay of the year, easily.
3: <laughs> what?
2: Okay. <laughs>
4: underwhelmed by the mystery of it but yeah, yeah you
2: I heard what you said last week Travis you didn't love it
4: I don't I I love the movie I really did love the movie I, I didn't love the mystery of it I felt I felt like it was not very mysterious um but uh it is a very fun movie
2: <laughs> not a very mysterious mystery is is that problematic uh it might be but I gotta tell you Eric this script was spot on in terms of being like time and place where we are in the world right now it was uh, coincidence. It was, yeah, it was i know a- and it was total coincidence right <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't funny. know he didn't yeah, know Elon didn't Musk know. was going to buy twitter and right. all this shit
4: out.
3: <laughs> yeah
2: i mean well, all three of us have seen this so i'm mm-hmm. spoilers i'll open this up a little bit all three of us have seen this well, the, no the, spoilers he, well i mean i'm just going to talk about the movie because the three of right. us have seen it so I'll the three of us have our seen listeners it
4: may not have right,
2: that's why i said spoilers lock your eardrums up earbuds look Glass in. Onion, storytelling. Why, right? yeah, Eric? You don't have a problem with the way the story's told and the way no. you know? Like you know, any, there's a lot of
5: classic mysteries that are like, oh, obviously it's going to be him, and it's just it's the journey. I mean, I, I, I didn't so, expect to be shocked. It was just fine. Oh,
2: no, but the fact that we have to like have it all retold for us an hour in almost, where we go back to the beginning with the box and Hugh Grant, and the story unfolds from there, and then we have to replay certain beats that we were already mm-hmm. we're kind mm-hmm. of through. I just, I don't know if I love that style. I, I, a little bit of a cheat. It's a little bit of a cheat. Yeah, I, I it's fine if he ends up being the guy, or whoever you think is going to be the person ends up being up that person. I'm fine with that. I really am. I just, it kind of threw me, because I was into the movie until that moment when that bullet happens, and then it goes back to the beginning. I'm like, oh, shit, what? We're going back to the beginning Yeah, now? that's when
5: I started caring, because if it didn't oh. do that, I just wouldn't care that much about the characters. I got invested in a, an individual because of that and then from there on out I was it was more about the characters than the mystery for me
2: it's also one of the I mean we talk about how time travel has been used as a really lame way as a MacGuffin yeah. in in storytelling recently the twins man come on twins is so lame I just don't like <laughs> that's what bothers I think that's what really bothers me about Eric it is that, yeah no I mean full credit Janelle Monae I mean impressive actress but they're supposed to be twins, but they are different people. I, I've met some twins. We had twins in high school, right, guys? Remember, like, there was yeah, people Halsteads? like the Halsteads? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they were different people. It would have been hard for one of them to replicate the other. I did know them, so maybe. But those people knew the characters. I, maybe I'm just way too in the weeds on this. Maybe who cares? But that's how I see no, it. It bothers you know, Benoit
5: me. Benoit Blanc said it perfectly. No, no one's No one's watching out for anything unusual because
4: they didn't know blah, blah, blah. Fill in the blank here, spoiler alert. It's, you know. it's a lot of fun watching Benoit Blanc not solve a mystery. <laughs> he solved one he did, pretty he, early. He, yeah, he solved it
5: and then yeah, he, he was he just there. Some, that's the early part about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Can't wait for the third. I do it. like it. Yeah, yeah I definitely. will. I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. I will definitely say that about Glass Onion. And I enjoy the Benoit Blanc character. He's fun. Oh, yeah, he's great. So that's cool. I didn't hate it. I just. It was so poignant. It really stuck with me and how. We assume people are geniuses just because they have money and shit like that. It's it's a time honored tradition, and I love uh, that part about the script. It, it really, yeah. I was impressed. I've dug that a lot, so that was cool. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, all right, so I guess I'll, are you done, Eric? Is that it? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's it. All right, thirty two fifty eight. We switched over to Mike's quarantine viewing picks. Now remember, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, so professional. Okay. Remember this, folks. I missed last week's show, and it was a holiday break where I had COVID. So what do you think mm-hmm. I did? I mean, honestly. He watched movies. <laughs> I mean, I did things that I didn't think I could do, and I did them. Okay? <laughs> I watched stuff, and I made it happen. It wasn't easy. Okay. So let's get right down to it. Let's get busy. So uh, let's start with this TV show. Now, have you guys heard of or seen Emily in Paris?
4: Isn't it Emily no. in Paris? Sure. Uh, yeah. That's yes. probably more okay. accurate. I have I have it's highly regarded although I haven't watched it.
2: Yeah, it's by Darren Star, Sex and City creator. Right,
4: right. Which so is that gives much it, the only th- reason I want to watch it. <laughs> it gives it it gives it clout. Yeah.
2: And it stars Lily Collins, Phil Collins' daughter, who's the mm-hmm. uh, British-American, mm-hmm. a very no, lovely last. Yeah, she is uh actually I had a whole Lily Collins thing here. So me and Leanne started watching Emily in Paris and I found out about all this hate for the show. Shocking! There's hate for a TV show that's streaming these days, but with a, a woman of,
4: <laughs> star, you don't say.
2: More than that, it was oh, about sheesh. how Americans portray France and French people. It, it's, oh. it was there was a lot of there was actually some legitimate Wait, French beefs. people
5: have a problem with Americans. This is
2: also <laughs> breaking news. Ah, ah! What Hitting the classics today here at Cinema Nine, folks. Anyways, there's a lot I learned about it. I found it fascinating. We watched all three seasons. Uh, you know, Leanne loved mm. it. It was comfort. It was a comfort show. Uh, it looks beautiful. The, the fucking clothes and the, they have, because they're, it's a fashion show is incredible. I'm not even a, look at me. I'm the hoodie guy. Yeah, That's what, what I do. I know. I was impressed by it. I was like, wow, look at these outfits. Wow, look at all this stuff. <laughs> look at these colors. Wow. Look at, look at that lapel. I don't know. It
4: mm. was, oh, I love was, a good lapel.
2: <laughs> Who the hell don't? Who the <laughs> hell don't? So uh, Emily Paris, check it out if you want to. A lot of people are pissed about it. So since we watched that, we watched a movie that came out in 2017 <laughs> called To the Bone. To yes, the... I was just going to say that. Oh,
5: that fantastic.
2: Yeah, you liked it?
5: To the Bone, loved it.
2: Yeah, this is a controversial film about anorexia, bulimia, uh, mm-hmm. food disorders, really. Uh, food. What do they call them? Food eating, eating
4: disorders?
2: disorders? Oh, yeah, thank you. I'm so dumb. It's funny how dumb you can be when you're live sometimes. You know you're a oh, smart
4: man. person. The brain just trickles out the ear and doesn't come back <laughs> until you've stopped great, recording right? pretty much is how it works
2: exactly you, but you listen that. later and you're like what the fuck did i just say
4: <laughs>
2: oh it's exciting though i feel
3: alive we're
2: alive <laughs> right now but i will say to the bone was outstanding keanu reeves surprised like co-starring yep. as a yep. very low-key therapist doctor really mm-hmm. really uh again this movie was controversial eric because of the way that there was too much humor portrayed in a movie about eating disorders, mm-hmm. people apparently who have eating disorders can't be funny. Uh, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. So I'm gonna say that you should strongly see it to the bone. If you haven't, if you missed it, it's still on Netflix. It's an excellent film. It's a mm-hmm. it's a challenging watch, but it is funny and it's um, if you had an addiction of any kind, you can really relate to it. It's a great movie. Really well done. All right. So there we go. That's the Lily Collins segment of the show here. Uh, I watched a movie called Brian Banks. It's about a football player. It's a true story and how he had himself freed from the bondage of awful parole for something he never did. The Innocence Project was involved. Really great stuff. I didn't know this about hmm. Brian Banks. Uh, solid job. Um, oh, shit. What's his name? He's like the guy who's lesser known. He doesn't get enough respect. He's on that show, uh, on A City on a Hill. Uh, it's a good show. And it's with oh, Aldous Hodge. Yeah, Aldis Hodge played Brian Banks. Mm. Solid guy, okay. solid actor. Yeah,
5: movement. yeah,
2: movement. yeah. It's Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so I finally watched Ghostbusters Afterlife. I finally did right. it. <laughs> I've, okay, I've been avoiding it. I'm it's ready. been sitting in front of me for so long, and I'm like, I just can't do let's it. I just it. can't yeah. do it. It's not bad, but you know, it, it's kind of blah. It, it's it reminded me again. I'm sick of being reminded of shit. But The Force Awakens. Like, hey, let's just yep. kind of do some yep. more of the repeat beats. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. of a movie We're that was already created. Miserable
5: race dance, total loser, <laughs> hates life, hates Egon, and uh, let's start there with that beloved character again.
4: <laughs> well, make sure Egon's also miserable before he's dead. Yeah,
5: oh. <laughs> make sure he dies alone, and all of his friends hate him and abandon him. Yeah, yeah, he's
2: the dirt farmer. Yeah, that's it. So, boy, it's not great. I also don't love movies with kids who are the main
4: focus. Well, if you don't like watch, maybe you don't want to watch the Ghostbusters. Fight ghosts, so you don't want to watch women fight ghosts. How about kids? Watch kids <laughs> fight ghosts. Next it would be dogs.
5: Talking, talking dogs. Airbud, Airbud, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, Airbud.
2: <laughs> that is funny, Travis. Yes, that sums it up. And I'll never watch it again. Look probably. Who's busting. Yeah. Not look. Not <laughs> look who's busting. I don't. Look yeah, who's <laughs> busting? That's funny. Oh, that was great. Uh, so I fired up. Uh, I finally wanted to watch this movie, and I finally did it. Like I said, I'm conquering a lot during my break. Mm. I watched uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, the Ted Bundy movie where Zac Efron played Ted Bundy, again, with Lee Collins co-starring. And I didn't know this whole aspect about Ted Bundy and the story, and it's a true story. So it unfortunately put me in a terrible Ted Bundy hole for a few days, which is not a great place to be, I would say. Because then I watched the Ted Bundy tapes after I watched the movie. And I was like, I want to know more and more. It's like, how did this happen? Why would this happen? How could this, how could he escape jail twice? How does he get away with all this stuff? I mean, it's all true. So it just blows my mind because only because it's real. It's not because it's fucked up or he's a sick bastard or an ill person or it's so gory. It's just, it's like, how did this all happen? Because it's true. So yeah, I went down that Bundy wormhole. Everybody's been down it once in their life. If, if you're an American, you've been down the Bundy wormhole. It happens. Yeah. It's not great, but it does happen. And Lily Collins was great in that movie. So good job, Lily. Uh, good job. So since White Noise came out, I went back to watch the Meyerowitz Stories, which is an excellent Noah Baumbach film, a really, really solid Baumbach. It's really what? Oh no, Eric hates it. Eric is squinting. He's running oh, away. God. No? no, no Meyerowitz Stories. Just, just, you have the floor. Continue. I, I won't try. <laughs> no, to
5: tell you. me, tell me. Insufferable. Hated it. I was clawing my eyes and ears out of my fucking skull. I cannot stand that fucking movie.
2: You watch it recently? When it came out. Oh, okay. That's what I would say. I'm Classic saying.
5: bomb backs.
2: <laughs>
5: <horse shit>, yuppie, <yucky, laughs> Scum fucking New York jail <laughs> bags.
2: each other yeah.
5: down about society. Very textbook bomb back.
2: <sighs> oh, yeah, it is. But I will say, yeah, I love textbook bomb back when it's done right. That's it's you my alley. I do love it. I love the dialogue. Dustin Hoffman is giving a master class in boomeritis like this is he's the ultimate boomer on screen he's so good he just talks about himself all the time it's a great performance it really is I, I give full credit to the writing and the character he just won't stop talking about himself throughout the whole movie and the older I get the more I think I like this movie so I'm glad I went back and watched it because I didn't love it when it came out either Eric but the Meyerowitz stories Travis I think is a it's a solid film it really is
4: it's okay yeah it's all right <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not All the world's right. biggest bombback fan, except for while we're while you while we're young. I do like that one quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I love that. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a fun one. All right, All right. we went back and watched The Blind Side. Uh, Leanne never saw The Blind Side. I can't... Did you know this was a top three? This was a top three grossing yeah, movie of 2009. I believe Didn't it. She went an, an Oscar for it. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus.
4: This is a movie people took very seriously when it came out, oh. and then immediately turned around and went, "Why did we do that?". Yeah, oh like my crash, God. you know, it was like, one yeah, of that's exactly right. what oh. I was just thinking, Travis. Oh, yeah. crash. Why did this yeah. is actually embarrassing? Why did we celebrate yeah. this? Well, Sandra well, was Bullock was in Oscar both campaign.
5: Oh, yes, she was. Fucking so embarrassing.
4: Wow. So this First movie sucks seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, White Savior, the movie, the movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone, mm-hmm. Everyone mm-hmm.
3: Knows?
2: Uh, <laughs> I knew it. It sucks, though, because it's a true story about a, Michael Orr was a real guy. He was a football player and his life was. Oh, he's still alive. So, oh, okay. so you're right. He was. Well, it, well, I mean, he's no longer a football player because he's retired from that. So he was. Ugh. Still accurate, I think. But. I don't know. Yeah, White Saver the movie, fine, okay, I'll leave it there. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I, still can't believe it's nope, a, one of the top three grossing movies of 09. That still blows my mind. All right, I watched a Cocaine Cowboys documentary on Netflix. It's awesome, yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely, those I guys are real. That. Again, more real people. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. What did you they watch did.
5: like that three-hour-long one um, that I saw? It's like very, very long. I, I watched
2: a multi-episode one, so maybe it was chopped mm-hmm. up. Uh, it was like six episodes, four or five. Is it? Is it okay? Is it? How, how old is it? Uh, like a year or two, it's one of the newer ones. Oh, no, they must have like remade they did. it. There was I, another the one.
5: Focaine Cowboy's. It's like a, like, a, like, a, like t- twenty years ago. Yeah, like three hour long. ESPN did, Mary, did one in like twenty ten. The
2: yes, there, there is okay. two. You're right. That's a good point. The one on Netflix is what I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. wild. It's all true. Miami. It's like Scarface in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. It's crazy. This shit happens. It's bonkers. Uh, guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, dude. I mean, you think it's over. And Disney just has a stranglehold on all of our favorite characters and our IPs that we love. And then and then they do something like Andor, which is just incredible. And it's just so good, man. I am so glad that I got to watch Andor. I thought it was fabulous.
4: I really God damn did. It. I mean, after watching Michael Clayton um like cuz T- Tony Gilroy is the showrunner of Andor and the, and the main writer of Andor and the main director of Andor and I got I watched one episode of Andor and went eh I'm good and then everyone has praised it since so I really I really need to revisit it cuz cause cuz cause oh, you are like yeah. the millionth person to tell me it's fantastic
5: I need to get on that. can't do it. I can't do it. Jamie, Jamie, Andrews, friend of the show. He's talking the shit out of it. And I, I can't. I hit play. I'm, I am just have no interest. How can this speak? I don't give a fuck about Cassie and Andrew. Who cares? That's all I felt. Why is this a show? That's all I
2: felt. That's why I hadn't watched it. I finally watched it. I'm like you guys. I am yeah. you. You are me. I'm telling I'll you. get on it. A, you will watch it. And then if you all watch right. the whole thing, uh, Travis, I'm very confident, Travis. You'd be like, wow, all this sure. is pretty damn good.
4: I'm sure it is. I, I just the first episode. I oh, must yeah. not have been the right mindset. It was just I'm like, well, this is really kind of slow. It is. Um. <laughs> the first two episodes
2: are kind of blah. I will say that. So. Yeah. But man, it it's not bullshit. It's it's really different than anything they've done there and that's what gave me hope about it. that's why i liked it sure. so much because it's not so corporatized disneyfied kathleen kennedy-esque star wars world that we know post sale of star wars ip from george lucas this is a yeah. show that's going to have another season two and fucking Stellan Skarsgård is awesome in this show he is so it's one of his mm. best efforts it really is i'm saying this out loud guys i've seen goodwill hunting i've seen them all this is one of Stellan Skarsgård's finest hours. This might be, and I'm not—I don't think this is hyperbolic. I will go back and watch this episode a month from now and be like, "I stand behind that." Stellan Skarsgård's a badass.
3: He's oh, a great actor.
2: He's outstanding in this movie. Oh,
5: it's about my medal. You
2: can have it, Sean. <laughs> 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 Ooh, the Fields Medal. The Fields Medal. The Fields Medal. Ooh, that's a good drop. I should have that one. All right, there's so much more, but I'll leave it there. I mean, I've been off for a while. It's just so much fun stuff to watch. I think I've caught up. To, okay. I, I finished She-Hulk too, Travis. So.
4: Oh, great. Yeah. Um, someday we'll do that marvel no, we're, thing i, I think we're
2: if i have to watch the werewolf thing and the christmas holiday wakanda. special that'll wakanda forever is coming out on disney in a couple days so it
4: I'll is read- yeah yeah oh i i didn't know they released a date for that great
2: oh it says coming soon on my disney plus so i figured i don't know maybe it's not days maybe it is two weeks i'll have to double yeah. check but
4: okay you yeah, know i mean i i believe you i'm just saying I did. that's I it though said. that's all
2: i need to watch every other i've got all every right. other phase four thing done
4: so. I've rewatched it all at this point. Um, well, it's I've watched, even better. I've rewatched everything except for the specials. What's all? I'll, I'll rewatch those too. Fuck it. If I could crank
2: out Wakanda Forever more quickly then we could do our Marvel episode, which I would like to do, I do believe in our project and our cause. See so. in theaters, man. It's still in theaters. Yeah! Woo! All right, I'm fired up. This has been a lot of fun. We're talking movies. Uh, we're 45 minutes in or so, but that's okay because there was a lot to catch up on. I missed last week. And I miss talking movies with my friends. I like doing the show. And I hope you guys enjoy the show, too. Thank you very much. Uh, It's fun to do movie talk. But let's get focused now. Let's dive into our main event. It's time to find out if Travis's selection, our first movie of 2023, as we embark on our fourth season of the Cinema 9 podcast. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 2007's Michael Clayton directed, as Mm. Travis said, prior By Tony Gilroy, starring George Clooney, coming off his Oscar win for Syriana in 2005 Mm -hmm. when he got all fat. And uh, that's what you do. You don't have to be a great actor. You just have to do a physical challenge. like uh, Extreme diet. He also
4: also hit his head really bad in Syriana, too. He did. It was like a a double whammy. I got fat and brain damage, guys. Please give me an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good this beard. <laughs> Welcome to the guilt probably, Oscars. Uh, we feel
2: guilty, just like L- Lua DiCaprio. They felt really bad for him because he froze his ass off, and he you know had to eat beef river. livers
5: or whatever. Brain yeah. him <laughs> probably explain the monuments. <laughs>
2: ah, that's a good one. Anyways, 2007. This one is a classic, is it not? A lot of people speak highly of this mm-hmm. film. I don't know if I feel that way, but when people who are just average movie people they talk about Michael Clayton in this really glowing terms, like, "Oh, that's a." Fa- That's a fabulous movie. That's a fantastic picture. You know, I don't know. These are like, I hear them say this. I've heard them say it on podcasts. Travis, take us back to 2007 and give us the Tory, the Tory of your first, the story of your first viewing of Tory Spelling watching Michael Clayton. Uh,
4: I'm going to tell you that, but I'm going to remove Tory Spelling from the equation. Uh, You know, yeah, I agree. This is definitely a movie that people, when they talk about it, it's, solemnly you know it's like this is like it's one of the greatest movies you know and and i have also been one of those people but i haven't watched it in quite some time so i was like okay it's it's time to revisit uh do i remember seeing it in 2007 vaguely i saw it in theaters i know that much but i don't don't remember much else about it Um, when I think of the movie, I always think of him looking at those horses. That's the, that's what, like I think of the movie and that's the scene that comes to my mind. Um, so I remember like that in particular standing out to me but uh, yeah and then i watched it a few times since and here i was it again last night and here we go (laughs) zap with the zip and go (laughs) bing bing boom that's
5: right eric yeah man uh i mean 2007 i mean i remember oscar season very clearly because i was you know i am michael clayton i'm like "Mm, i don't know who you are legal thriller but back away from there will be blood for these top awards (laughs) then i saw it on home video and i love the film man i i I loved it. I've been in the same boat. I've been talking about it in small circles, very solemnly. Oh, Michael Clayton's mm-hmm. classic masterpiece. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, haven't seen it since, and I uh, was excited to revisit. Two thousand seven was a really challenging. I mean, you said there will be blood. There was also no yeah. country for old. Oh, no, yeah. country. no, punch as Eric likes to say. Um,
4: it was a um, yeah, some other stuff. Yeah.
2: That's why you know George Clooney didn't win because Daniel Day Lewis was incredible, but. He's probably deserving. Good. Be- That's it. Look at this heavy hitters that year: Daniel Day Lewis, George Clooney, Johnny Depp, Tommy Lee Jones, and and by the way, Tommy Lee Jones for "In the Valley of Elah," not for no cunch. Mm-hmm. So, no. and Vigo- <laughs> <laughs> no cunch is hilarious. And, Eastern Province, yeah, Viggo Mortensen, very well done effort there. Damn. So, uh, this is a, the Oscar report though. In 2007, I did not see this movie. I remember hearing the title. I remember getting annoyed because the title it's just a. <laughs> It's a character's name. It's like what Michael yeah, it's Clayton is?
4: It's a weird name. Clayton
2: doesn't tell me anything. You just it's a, It could be anything. I don't know. So, I don't know what Michael Clayton was, but eventually I think I watched this on DVD around 2008 or 9. I didn't get to it right away, and uh, so I might have missed the hype train, but I remember watching it and being like, "Whoa." It was you know, <laughs> it's a movie that sticks with you cuz it's intense and it's about intense shit. So, But I didn't know if it was a masterpiece or if I loved it. I thought it might have been a little bit boring back then. That was my initial response. (laughs) Doesn't mean I'm right, though. Uh, As far as the rating, IMDb rating for this film. Travis Roy, do you have a guess on this one?
4: I'm going to say it's high. I'm going to say it's real high. Um, I don't know that's quite in the eights. I'm going to say, I'll say seven. I'll say seven, eight.
2: Mm, Yeah, I'll say a seven, three. Seven, five. Seven, five seven five actual retail price is 7.2 yeah. huh. oh is okay. that
4: harsh well i mean for a movie that was nominated for seven academy awards i, I, I don't right. think that that's harsh and also the cinematographer won an academy award for uh robert Elswit. one for there will be blood Okay, oh, yeah. that was the other movie hmm. he did that year wow uh, so there's hmm. a lot of talent in this movie um and recognized talent so i don't think 7.2 is uh insult but i would have Obviously, guest higher.
5: <laughs> I think that's reason. I remember that. I think I took a quick look at Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, we had ourselves another pretty wide gap. I think it's like 63 from the audience and like 92 from the critics.
2: Yeah, 69 and 91. I'm really surprised by this. Yeah.
4: This 60. must be a, a critical darling. If you will,
3: mm.
2: well, clearly it's Tony will. Tony Gilroy. I feel like is a critical darling type of dude. Yeah, it's, it's
4: sure, the first cutting edge first movie. Cutting, yeah, cutting edge. Who could forget <laughs> when the cutting edge? He'll pick. Um, but this is you know this is uh, his first first film that he directed, <laughs> one of three, yep. and the only one that anyone saw. So uh, mm-hmm. that says something.
2: Oh shit! You know what? I got to bring this up right now because it blew my mind uh, the other day when I was uh, watching something and. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was, um, oh crap, what was it? It was that, oh, I was watching Varsity Blues, the movie Varsity Blues from 1999. And I saw who the, I'm like, who wrote this? I went and looked at the writer and his name was Elif, W. Peter Elif. And then I find out that he's the same guy who wrote Point Break as well. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's legit. So I just thought about writers and, Sometimes you don't know who's behind a project. It really blew my mind that this guy was behind Point Break and Varsity Blues, which I think are two fun movies. They're, they're highly entertaining. And he did Patriot Games, which I love Patriot Games. So it just totally blew my mind. That's a side project there. All right, now back to the show we're doing, now that you've uh, heard about W. Peter Elif. The ratings are weird to me here. I, I'm shocked by the 69%, Travis. This blows my mind. It really does. I'm shocked by this.
4: Um, well, you yourself said that when you first watched it, you thought it was boring. Um, I don't know that this is. True. I mean, this is a different. I mean, it's a different kind of movie, and in, in that, it is like a corporate espionage thriller, in the in the vein of say Inside Man or Civil Action. But unlike those movies,
3: mm-hmm.
4: it doesn't seem that interested in trying to necessarily. Silky. Um. So good. Super, um. To, um and being super accessible um yeah i don't know if silkwood's corporate well i guess yeah i guess it would be um but yeah it's 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 it's, it's not like a it's not trying to be a super hollywood movie in, in some mm. ways it's kind of a tried and true plot but it with this gray as fuck protagonist in michael clayton <laughs> you have like uh, a, it's it it kind of challenges the viewer to think a little differently about uh, morality in that world in ways that like civil action and that kind of stuff is a lot more, Aaron Brokovich, a lot more straightforward, a lot more like here's our hero. Yeah. Um, he's fighting against the, the big villain, the corporate villain. And it's a little, little more nuanced here. Someone on someone online called
5: it the best Grisham adaptation, not based on a John Grisham book. <laughs> and I have to agree with that. Cause like uh, all John Grisham novels are you're a straight laced young attorney, no <laughs> no problems, no vices. <laughs> uh, like and then they do the right thing and there's lots of explosions and lots of murders. <laughs> Whereas here, if you don't have like that car explosion in the trailer, no one's even gonna bother seeing it. It's a very like <laughs> semantical, like old school Bob Redford type yeah. you know, conspiracy type enriching character drama. <laughs> Not a lot there for an audience holding pop and popcorn, but For me, that's the
2: beauty of the film, as we'll get into. Lisa Kennedy of the Denver Post said, Confident in the story's power and the moviegoer's intelligence, Gilroy uses Mm. only one explosion to own our rapt attention. How about that? Yeah, that's true. And it's out of focus. Yeah! 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 I did notice that. Yeah. How about Nell Minow, a movie mom? Good old movie mom's checking. Nell. Yeah, I see her all the time. It looks like a movie mom from 1958. George Clooney just keeps getting better and better. His performance here is rich and deep and layered, and seeing him work through his range of reactions is enormously moving. It provides a strong center for the legal thriller swirling around him. Ooh, we all mm. love a strong center, don't we? I mean, that's great. Swirling around us, yes. <laughs> Hey, Billy Goody Coons!
4: There he is.
2: Hey, old Bill. Old old Bill. On October 11th, 2007, Bill said the following: Mm. "Smart and exciting. Michael Clayton takes the audience on a ride whose pleasures almost sneak up on you, and are all the more satisfying because of it." Hmm. Yeah, it is a sneaky film in that way. I think you're right, Bill. Well said. I agree, (laughs) Bill. I agree, Bill. Oh, Roger Moore. I. I, I, Not that Roger Moore. Orlando That's right. Yeah. That's right, Eric. Very good. Stop printing the ballots. Don't waste money on those for your consideration, <laughs> Oscar ads. There is but one contender for best supporting Damn. actor this year, and it is Tom Wilkinson and Michael Clayton. Oh my
4: God! Yeah. What's he, what's oh he, my. Nominated God. and didn't win. Stupid. It's a stupid
5: single Who won?
4: What, who did he lose to? Do we know? Yeah,
5: he lost to Anton Chigurh. Yeah. Uh, oh. Um, <laughs>
4: what's his name? Oh. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. that response is perfect um, Travis.
2: oh it kind of makes sense it's not terrible i, I know.
4: uh i feel like wilkinson gave a better performance <laughs> absolutely dude absolutely All i'm with you
2: I, I don't disagree with that either i just think uh maybe no cunch was a little more popular so that's why it won in the end a little more sexier of a performance and yeah
4: wilkinson had already hadn't he won for in the bedroom He was nominated nominated for In the Bedroom, which, by the way, on a personal note, I know that on this show, I have said good things about In the Bedroom every time. I've talked about in the yep. bedroom in my life. I was thinking about a different movie called Normal, uh, starring Tom Wilkinson. <laughs> so, for the record, I have little recollection of Dang. In the bedroom, but Normal is a very good movie.
2: In the bedroom's outstanding, okay. dude. I, I watched it a couple years ago for the first time. It's, it's a good. fabulous oh, really film. You're you're well, okay. Nor,
4: Normal's mm-hmm. great, also.
2: For the record, <laughs> well, I've never seen Normal, so I got to watch Normal. Uh, let's see. These are all. I'm looking for a splat here, but these are all just riveting reviews with a lot of plump, oh. fresh red tomatoes uh here we go eric childress from efilmcritic.com said the following despite an exceptional performance by clooney michael clayton is like watching a drawn-out third act that left the really compelling stuff
4: back in the first two. Oh, about that so he's saying the whole movie is like a drawn out third act?
2: <laughs> hey, here's a shocker. Uh Rex Reed it seems it seems like he shits on every film ever. Michael Clayton <laughs> Michael Clayton literally <laughs> knocks its brains out trying to be clever, <laughs> but it ends up being the same kind of smart alecky filmmaking most of Mr. Clooney's movies are famous for. Really?
4: So he's not a Clooney fan.
2: Literally. Clearly not. He thinks there's like a I mean this is the era of Clooney. I mean, he's on fire, right? You got Good Night and Good Luck, Siriana. I mean, all these movies have come yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Up in the Air came out after this Ocean's one, but yeah, you. it was. This is Clooney's world at this time. He owned the world. Mm-hmm. This was his. Mm-hmm.
4: He was a huge star. Yeah, I mean,
5: he's got a chip on his yeah. shoulder. Fuck Rex Reed.
2: <laughs> That's
4: it. You're right. I mean, because this is like this is the biggest movie star in the world just about at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and and this was a highly acclaimed movie. Maybe the movie of his career. Um, yeah, frankly. It's up Ooh, there. Wow. Um, oh, that's, in of, well, in terms of the performances, I mean, I don't know that I would be uh, unique in making that claim. What about The American? Um, you know, <laughs> the same movie? I actually
2: never got that one.
4: Peacemaker, Peacemaker I saw in
2: theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I got one last one. We'll move on. No. Uh, no Destin Thompson, but we do have Kirk Honeycutt who we haven't heard from in a while. So <laughs> Kirk, Honeycutt. Uh, Kirk Honeycutt for The Hollywood Kirk Reporter Honeycutt. on August 31st, 2007, said the following. As with the Bourne films, Gilroy has a knack for creating strong characters mm. and situations that resonate with tension. You're right about that, Kirk. Okay.
4: Yeah. All right.
2: So, uh, tell me why this movie could suck, though. <laughs> a lot of positivity there. What? Uh. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking to the wrong people.
4: <laughs> okay, uh, why does this movie suck? It's an interesting place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it uh, is a lot grainier than I remember. In, in terms, <laughs> I thought it was a really slick movie, but it's a lot grainier than I remember. I thought um, it was my
2: copy. I wasn't sure.
4: You're <laughs> Right? It's kind of grainy. I'm like, do a remaster on this, motherfuckers. Um, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> needs to look as slick as it does in my memory. Um, and then also, I don't think that. I, I mean, you have to. I, watching the movie, I, I already referenced it, the uh, the insider. I, th- I think it's hard not to. Be like, well, oh, someone really enjoys the films oh, man. of Michael Mann. Insider. Um that's <laughs> yeah. my my main takeaway. I mean, like as far as direction goes, like I feel like there's a big Michael Mann imprint on me. But Michael Mann there's enough blue. There's enough blue in the <laughs> house. That's partly why. Uh, all the blue, perhaps. <laughs> but, but also um I think that Michael Mann is uh, very much, well, he's literally from the 70s, and there's kind of a 70s vibe to this movie.
2: Yeah, there is. That's a good call, Travis. I would give you a criticism about this film that it's just absurd. This guy's a lawyer who's worked his ass off forever. I'm talking about Tom Wilkinson's character, and suddenly Mm -hmm. he's been working on this case for a long time. I just have a hard time feeling like he would just... Go. I know he's went off his meds, which I think is a crutch in this film to say he went off his meds. Like, people, they're not just Looney Tunes because they went off their like, meds. If you stop taking your meds, you might get more upset. Uh, it might build up. There might be frustrations that happens. And it's also, we don't even know what the actual disorder was either. So we're talking vaguely because it well, is vague.
4: He says manic depressive, manic depression, Michael Clayton does. He's, he tells him, you're manic depressive at one point. He does um, say
2: that. Okay, well, that's a little actually, more clear, but...
4: Here's, here's something, here's an alternate take on that, because I re, I mean, for one, I, I get the feeling that the, the case itself is what drives him crazy. It's not so much the manic depression. it that, That's that's his cross to bear that eventually yeah. becomes a, 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 too much of a burden because of the case. And in the same way, I really like the movie also addresses that Michael Clayton has his own cross to bear, which is his gambling addiction. His brother is dealing with uh, alcohol addiction and all these characters in this movie have these these very realistic issues that they're struggling with. And then you have Karen Tilda Swinton's character who her problem seems to be an absence of morality. (laughs) And um, and that has a much more profound impact on society at large than say these much more personal picadillos of, uh, you know, of, manic depression and alcoholism
2: let me just say one thing about that real quick it, yeah. it's a fear of failure too or it's like a fear of not wanting to let everybody down even beyond morality i really think that she's like oh i just i got this big opportunity now i don't want to screw it up so i'll do yeah. anything which is a lack of morality but at mm-hmm. the same time there's mm-hmm. these other factors that are so simplistic but they have devastating consequences as the film lays out which is a good thing yeah. her ambition yes way absolutely
5: yeah you bring up some great points um Aside from Karen, these other vices are treatable in a way, whereas she is kind of inherently married to corporate <laughs> Uh That's her driving passion. Um, and I think that works as kind of like a light – Villain care. I I, I like the, the shadowy nature of the corporate world and the white collar crime in this. I like that there's not a big fucking like the Don Jeffries doesn't have a big speech about fucking out fuck the people or anything. It's just very shadowy. And uh, the subtlety in the Karen character comes through. I mean, I joke about her doing nothing but like changing her clothes and getting ready for a meeting. <laughs> but this is someone rehearsing to be. This alien reminds me a lot of under the skin when Scarjo yeah. is like trying to learn how to become a human being. That's what she's mm. doing um, to prepare to, to become this person whose sole mission in life is to keep hurting people
4: and 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 excelling in her personal career because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: That's a great point, dude. That makes total sense. If you get under the skin reference too, that's bonus points because people love that movie. They love it. Look, really I'm looking for holes here. No, that's not what I'm doing. I just watched the movie, and I thought about how this shit never happens. Like, you just don't hear about people breaking down and getting out. It, it You just don't. It doesn't happen. Lawyers are dealing with scummy shit because every day there's corporations, entities, groups, whatever, doing scummy, bogus uh murderous type shit, if you will, things that kill people. You know, mm-hmm. we've had decades and decades of things that we could go back and recall in real life. Like, I know, that, I guess this movie was kind of based on the Ford Pinto situation of the late 60s, 70s, <laughs> yeah. uh, into the 70s. So yeah. that 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 is old. And, you know, Ralph Nader made a career <laughs> by defending and revealing things about consumerism in the car world. And, and then there's this other aspect about how this shit still doesn't happen. Like people whistleblow on occasion, I'm not denying that. We know that. We have whistleblower protection laws, but the way this happens it it just does. it seems like a fantasy. Like this movie is a fantasy in a way. It really is.
4: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not a documentary. Um No, it's, but it's, it's it's a thriller. It, 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 the fantasy here is what if one of these high-powered lawyers suddenly grew a conscience. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the fantasy. And, the, and that lawyer is not Michael Clayton. It's Arthur Edens and yep. Arthur Edens mm-hmm. has a conscience because of his manic depression. It's because he goes off his meds that he's able to like dive into the the, the truth of he's that not sedated anymore. Right. So. So I think that that's why it's a unique mm-hmm. situation that you wouldn't ordinarily see, because most of the people in this firm are going to be like Sidney Pollock's character. Um, or like, mm. or like Michael Clayton himself was Michael Clayton. He takes the eight K or the 80 K mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. he, mm-hmm. he's probably even going to be on board with, with uh, not necessarily okay with the murder of his friend, but like, he's kind of just like, I guess I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, make my deal with the devil which i already made years and years ago it's not until they attempt to kill him too that he's finally like well i, I have a problem with this so he, he didn't <laughs> exist in this moral gray area it's just eden's because of his mental illness that is finally and that speech man that monologue about the patina of shit oh my God. or actually many so of his awesome. monologues about am i this freak organism that comes to this planet specifically to defend this chain of carcinogenic mm. chemicals like it's so brilliant like like boiling down (laughs) your career your life and like your meaning of life like is this why i'm here am i here to to teach school and 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 have a podcast because that's pretty much all i do um and this guy's like am i here to defend evil and finally his conscience breaks for it so yeah it's a fantasy but i mean there's no movie without that break I think the
5: episode works, the manic episode and in, in the deposition, Mike. It doesn't seem like um, it doesn't seem like bullshit to me. It seems like the, that the firm knew that he had this condition, and the shit hit the fan sooner or later. Something like this was going to happen, and it's. And it, it, Arthur says he, he gave six years of his life, and he even narrows it down to a percentage. Oh. He's like, I gave like twelve percent of my life to this case, and people are dying. Uh, it all works for me. Um, Like in the beginning, we have this lunatic madman rant. And if you don't know what the fuck the story is about, that is like a very stressful like first 10 minutes. I think I wrote that down. Like, what the fuck is happening? Like, why is this even in there? Like, it's nonsense. A it grabs you, though it's not really that important to the story, but it grabs you. It says this is a legal thriller, but this is unlike anything you've seen. And he also makes that
4: that claim in that opening monologue that he later writes on the wall, which is uh, believe that this or make believe that this is more than just insanity, Um, because that's that's Mm -hmm. what he's confront. That's what I find really fascinating about his character is that on one hand, he is dealing with mental illness and this very real psychotic break that he's going through. But at the same time, he's also uncovered this very real conspiracy and there's these very real consequences. And he's really made this dr- drastic change in how he views morality. Um So like to try and yeah. uh circle both those squares at the same time for him is it's hard mm-hmm. for the people in his, in his life to even acknowledge that that's what's happening, let alone the, the viewer. <laughs> it just I
5: love the Arthur character. My heart broke in that insane scene that the like one of the great death scenes of, I've seen in my life. Just the most cl- yeah. clinical
2: Surgery.
5: the most clinical surgical murder I've ever seen in it's a film. It's incredible. It's
2: absolutely Unreal. incredible. That's one of my big points of the, the film was how urban. it makes uh professional hits look not glamorous, uh not even nefarious, so very businesslike. This is all businesslike. Also, yeah, believable. it's super believable. It's frighteningly believable that there's this contact. She gives the code. Then they, she gets the email oh, encryption man. package. From there they go. And then it's like, OK, we'll spy on him at <laughs> yeah. first. And then it's like, it's, oh, is murder a possibility? Uh, sure. We can throw that in the package, too. It's a po- we it's, have everything like available.
4: This sweaty, uncertain, nervous, like uh, vacillating fucking rich fool <laughs> who has access to these Very criminally minded, one of whom who looks suspiciously like Anthony Michael Hall, but is. I know that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, they were gonna go golfing,
2: but then they decided they had to murder somebody. Like, yeah, sorry, we can't go golfing. We got to go kill
3: people. It's
4: it's all so prosaic, and and um and the and the death itself is so brutal. It's it's one of the most disturbing deaths I think I've seen on scene. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. uh, It's so matter of fact. It's just so matter of fact. That's Mm -hmm. what's so
2: frightening about it. Good job. That's why it scares yeah, it's me. It's not a scary horror thriller where someone gets stabbed, and gets their head chopped off, or whatever. It's all gory and ridiculous. This is frighteningly accurate because it seems so specific and yeah. so true to form. It could happen this way in a heartbeat. A guy who's a loner, he's got a place to himself. Nobody comes and goes. Right. Boom.
4: And you know, how,
5: just wants to eat a hundred loaves of bread. And yeah,
4: bad And how you know? many movies have you seen where there's a hitman and like there's. It's for one, an extremely dramatized murder, you know, extremely like stylized. No score, no music, no score. When it's happening, it's all dead silent. And also like um, it's just like, uh, I don't know, it's just it's just completely realistic and And oh, I know I was going to go with that. It's corporate. Like, how many movies have you seen where it's like, it's like this is taking place between you know heads of state, and uh, it's all. But for it to be at the corporate level, so much more realistic. Yes, that's what it
2: is. It's all. That's why I say business like. Yes, it is the most corporate way to handle things. It's all done by the book. It's structured. It's organized. It's not random chance. It's not all like loose ends. There are loose ends they want to tie up, but it's not chaotic. It's very organized and structured, which is terrifying to me. This is. It's way more terrifying than any type of scary movie to me. like a, Or like a sudden, ah! you know, a yeah, jump yeah. cut or something or, or a moment of terror that strikes you suddenly. It's, it's
3: scary.
5: It's like a strategy. But like to, to to knock off Michael as well, like, does this seem like <laughs> kind of like... Kind of odd like this is not going to tie back to, to to this company in the middle of this huge lawsuit about to become a settlement we've got it's like travis says she has no morality so it
2: doesn't matter it's like oh what's one what's two i gotta i gotta shut down that booklet from being released and once they and know it she right. sees it in her face you're like oh shit, this is so me. desperate
4: right she's so desperate and, and figures well i've already turned down this path with Eden's I might as well do the same thing to Clayton but Clayton's right he's not the guy you kill he is the guy you buy off <laughs> he probably really could have bought him off even after he goes to Eden's house and discovers that that oh, sure. yeah the phone was bugged and it looks like he was going to have a celebration of some sort with uh with with Anna and yeah Simon, you know but the Dom Perignon even, even then I think he could have bought especially when he's hungry for that 80 grand she could have bought him off he needs yes. sure. that 80k sure
2: by the way it's so great to see Sidney Pollack on screen. I love when he yeah. does acting roles. There's something so <laughs> Such an comforting but, like, fascinating about him on screen when I watch him, every word he says and the way he says it. It's It's uh-huh. not a hardcore role or a complicated role. He's just a boss of a law firm. That's it. But I just love seeing him on film. I miss him terribly
5: he always seems very yes. powerful like he could like make a call and your life would be <laughs> fucked
4: yeah and he's yeah he does usually play these kinds of guys i'm trying to imagine him playing like a butcher or a baker or <laughs> a cobbler. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> puppeteer. Like, i don't yeah.
4: see that production assistant a, right a pinstripe suit in a in a in a high you know office building in a high floor and then i very much believe it but
2: but the ending scene is really, really incredible. And endings could get overhyped at times, but again, we got no score. We just got a matter-of-fact proposal to maybe close out this settlement with the collective action. And then there he mm-hmm. is, Michael mm-hmm. Clayton just behind mm-hmm. the door. And they just it's the words he say, Travis, like you said, like, I'm not the guy you kill. It's so profound, but it's so true. It's it's outstanding closing for a film that doesn't doesn't flash a bunch of lights at you and it doesn't force itself upon you. It's just like, damn, mm-hmm. that's really good acting and writing.
4: There are only two sequences where Clayton and Karen interact with one another where Clooney and Swinton actually share screen time. And the first one you're like, okay, whatever, this is, like, there they are. Uh, but when by the time that second one comes around, for a movie that doesn't have any shootouts or real explosions or anything like that is it is incredibly tense i mean when when she turns around and sees him and her jaw drops and he says that that arthur edens is walking around somewhere too Mm -hmm. like like every time i watch this movie just like i was last night i like inch forward up on my seat like i'm watching some big action sequence but it's just two people standing in a lobby Mm -hmm. talking but it's so tense and it's really rewarding watching her um scrape and beg and trying to figure out how to get out of the situation with him and then he tells her that she's fucked. You're fucked.
5: Yeah, you are fucked and then Tony Gilroy doesn't even like doesn't even offer her like a nice close up at the end to like to uh, milk it or collapse. He just walks away from her, leaves her in the background to crumble. Okay. Um bring it. Pop. Is Michael Clayton pissed enough that he a hit was put on him? Because he's like that last speech Fucking fantastic, but he's like very casual and cool and like I got you mode like he was almost fucking murdered. He,
2: I think that's why he brought the police mad? in, though. That expresses his rage like he could have just took a payout here, but he's so pissed about it that he wants to take them down and he brings in the law.
5: He's like, I guess what I mean is like he's in like Danny Ocean mode where he should be like. Like spitting venom and going nuts.
4: So he's he's the fixer, right? He's he's the janitor. He's the guy that can respond, that can react to crisis. And deals and shit. Not right. And That's when, um, so two, two points real quick, only because I'm on that moment when he's looking at the horses. I love that because you really get the sense that this, this is not <laughs> something he ordinarily would do. This is not something that Michael Clayton would ordinarily do. He would not get out of his car and go walk up and look at these horses and feel like this moment. But right. it's the sunrise. It's what it's just losing his friend, Arthur. It's like all this stuff going on. And he's like contemplating life. And because he has that moment of contemplation, he survives. But his reaction is so quick he immediately takes off he takes out his wallet he takes out his phone he takes out his his, his watch mm-hmm. he yeah. throws everything in the car like mm-hmm. immediately because he immediately understands this is what this is what happened any any doubt that he you know, he'd already been in arthur eden's uh, that's a leverage oh. Yeah. Right. But at that point, he's like he reacts immediately because that's that's what he's been. That's what he's trained himself more or less to do. Um, So to me, it's not that he's not angry enough. It's it's that he is um, he's in control because this is this is where he shines is in the shit. Yeah. He's also wired. So it's kind of like a performance.
2: Wow. See, that is what I'm talking about, man. Like, what about his kid, though? Is he thinking about his kid when he does that stuff? How much of that kid do we need in this film? And why does it bother me? (laughs) Because <laughs> you don't like
3: childlike, <laughs> because
4: it's a kid. It's like,
2: we're supposed. I get the bit. Like we're supposed to. We grow up and we become jaded, and you know we become so adult-like, and our imagination disappears, and we forget about that childlike wonder. And that's why if we go read uh, *Realm and Conquest*, we'll understand <laughs> life again exactly as it should be, so that we can bust up a multi-billion-dollar lawsuit.
4: That's the key. And Arthur is. Uh, he's still plugged into that kind of magical. In life. So he's actually fascinated by <laughs> realm and comedy. The way he's
2: curled up on the God, fucking Jesus. bed talking to his son that. like that. It's like so he's good. a
4: child. And he's like, Teach me, teach me. It's I am so good. lost. And 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 but he gets something from it. And and which is what all that his kid, Henry, wants for Michael Clay to do is like get something out of this. This is an important book. Right. Um, and yeah. for Arthur, it's that you know, sometimes we are summoned to do things that are greater than ourselves, and that's how he feels about himself. And that's and he feels that way about Michael Clayton, too. And it turns out that he, mm-hmm. <laughs> Can i although, although, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, please give me the all though, because mine was stupid. And I, I,
4: I love mm-hmm. that they do not end on a sweet note. Like it ends with 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 Arthur asking, saying, you know, or, or Michael Clayton says to Arthur, I'm not your enemy. He says, well, then who are you?
2: The longest and close up then, ever.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that comes later. But um, But who are you? If you're not my enemy, then who are you? Are you my ally? Are you are you with those that profit from death or are you not? Mm,
5: Yeah, it's like someone who is free of an addiction looking at a junkie saying, you know, I got out. Look at yourself. 17 years with this firm. You're broke. You're driving a company car and you have this incredible uh, education. So what are what the fuck are you even doing? So we have two crises of conscience brought to a super satisfying resolution. Yeah, and the guy
2: movie. who's the stepdad, the new husband, and then the yeah. guy who's the liaison <laughs> yeah. between like the mob or whatever for the mm-hmm. restaurant deals. They all uh, they all know, look no the same mark? to me. Yeah, they both look similar to me. I'm like, oh, it's that guy. And it's that guy. Oh, I know these oh, character
4: actors. Joe yeah. <laughs> oh, Raymond's been in fucking so much. And it's so weird to see him as like this mob enforcer guy. Because usually I know, he's a soft and squishy dude. Very much against it. Right? It's yeah. so
5: refreshing. We got no slick black
4: back, black hair and black leather jacket. It's just like a, a guy like doing buddies. his job. They're like <laughs> friendly with one another. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the actual yeah. guy that he borrowed the money from. We don't I don't think we ever even hear his name. He's just like, oh, mm. he's going to be pissed, which is <laughs> again, like, right. I mean, There's so much about this movie that's just not spoon fed to us, which I love that. I mean, mm-hmm, we see mm-hmm. in the beginning that he has returned to the table and and we're like, oh, throughout most of most of the movie, you're like, well, he's got a gambling addiction. He's been at the at the tables, but he actually has been good. He took that five K extra from um from Marty and he's using that and, and he goes back to tables, but he plays nine hands and he leaves. So he really does actually like he's like coming through. Yeah. But, but I don't think he played at all before
2: that. That was my yeah that's that's what i'm saying i agree that's that's what i'm
4: saying like but like as you watch the movie you're not really sure is he because on making these protestations like i'm not off the wagon he's pissed Um, about it my my brother's the one that's a problem Mm -hmm. and all that and so you as you watching the movie at least me i'm like is he protesting too much like has he actually been because we've seen him at the table in the beginning but then as the movie unfolds you're like well actually no it really does seem like he's Ah. been away from the tables for quite some time although you do realize that that's why he's not made partner that's why he's driving a company car etc that
2: makes so much sense this movie and the addiction angle is where I get hung up so much I'm like what's the point of having these addiction traits for these characters the brother who's the drunk who fucked up the restaurant and Clooney's the card addict and then they're high on the hog Clooney's looking down, Michael Clayton's looking down at his brother because he mm-hmm. screwed him over. Like he's better than. And then at the same time, like you said, he's strongly protesting when anybody brings up, like, oh, you at the tables again, you fucking up, you don't have any money, you haven't saved any money, you're 45 years old. Right. So that which <laughs> happens with addiction. So this is where I actually think I'll give kudos to the film on this because there are times where you really are doing well and you have to defend yourself and there's also other times when you're deep in addiction and you're lying your ass off to everybody but you are hardcore defending yourself it all looks the same in the end and I think there's some real connections here about how addiction looks and how uh, certain challenges in society look like uh, like, like carcinogens like you can't see them but they're there and they're doing the same shit to you over and over mm-hmm. again no matter what day it is or how you feel or if you're sober or not it's I know there's some wild melding going on
4: with this movie, with these areas. And at the end of the day, his brother is the only one he can really trust, which I love. Like when the car blows up and he's got yeah. no one to turn to, he, he it's his brother who he calls mm. to pick him up. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. whatever the fuck ups, whatever all that is at the end of the day, he's still your brother and he's still the one you trust. What's speaking of brothers. I mean, John Gilroy editor uh, of this film, the, the brother of mm-hmm. Tony Gilroy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like what a family of filmmakers, mm-hmm. my God.
2: Dan Gilroy, Sam Gilroy's in this. Uh, He played the copy kid there at the print shop. Oh,
4: no shit. Another Gilroy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's just,
5: I don't blame Tony Gilroy for, like, being really uh precious about this i mean pollack was trying to get it from him you saw the executive producers yeah. on board anthony vangela and steve soderbergh uh and sydney pollack they're all they all wanted it and he's like hell no dude this is my baby like i'm gonna In be any of the three them would have done it. a good job and um absolutely um but it, it, he's right to be precious about this script man like normally You either stick to one thing, you're very plot heavy, and you don't know that much about the main character or his life, or it's the other way around. Here, this filmmaker somehow gives us so much about Michael Clayton himself. And also, we've got a a plot that's not boring or derivative or anything like that. It's just two really fascinating things like it's such an enriching story man they teach it like in i guess they teach it in like mm. script writing courses it's it's And that Clayton
4: is such a fascinating character to me because on one hand he begins as an as an enigma and kind of ends as an enigma but also these layers are revealed throughout the film you learn things about his past from dialogue or about his personality from his actions and, and the choices that he makes. It's such a rich nuanced character. And I also think um, going back to your addiction point, Mike, I think that like in some ways this stuff is also just kind of plugged in there because humans have these things. If you want to have realistic characters, you want flawed characters with real flaws that, that affect the plot and affect their lives. And um, that's what you have here.
2: It's yep that's a great reality. point travis it yeah. keeps it simple but it's tried and true and it's not cheesy and it's not overwrought with any type of uh false tension in any way that's well said uh oh well, I got, yeah. you didn't
5: roll your eyes at the the horses was that wasn't too pretentious for you Mike? oh I, I
2: thought i thought it was like okay whatever yeah this, this guy's in love with horses now or like he's looking on like <laughs> what does it all mean <laughs> uh well, yeah, i did not fast forward though i did i did not fast forward
4: Save not even once so. during this movie, even though you've seen it before. Oh, did I did. Forward,
2: yeah. Uh, not during uh, that part, but I fast forwarded when they're chasing him. Like, it just keeps dragging on. Like, hey, we got to get closer to press the button to blow up this car. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You, you're going to blow this car up because we already saw the car get blown up in the beginning of the movie. So I know that's going to happen. So that's not a surprise.
4: Although, this movie does <laughs> do what you are kind of criticizing Glass Onion for and showing us. Um, one part of the film and then going back later and contextualizing it in ways that you didn't know the first time you watched it and i thought it was pretty effective here
2: yeah that's why i brought it up because i watched this movie too and i'm like oh man storytelling these days like does it matter it doesn't have to be linear i'm not i'm not a linear guy life's not linear i get that i just what do i need to know and how impactful is it when i find out what it is that's really what it's about (laughs) like why are you showing this to me now i see a car blow up Oh, boy, something crazy is going to happen in this movie later. If we're going back to well, four days earlier, we're going to find out how we get to that point again. It's That's right. kind of blatant. That, it, he didn't need to do watched, that necessarily.
4: Well, I mean, partly as you're watching the movie, you might be thinking, well, maybe the, the car explosion comes because he's messed up with the mob. And the, they, there's this enforcer. Oh, that's true. I have no idea. To. Um, so that, I think is, that's tension there. It's it's strange
5: because I I love the scene with Dennis O'Hare and he goes to the mansion the, the fucking slime ball, but you watch that and like normally in any other like movie like this like he is the miracle worker and like he blows us away with what he's able to pull off but like he goes there and he's like. Fucking like rude to the guy, even though he's like a major client, and he's like, I can't even do anything. Like you're fucked. Deal with it. Like it's it's so different. Yeah, it's, it's, there is
4: not like there, there is no champagne room. There's no getting around this. You hit a guy and drove <laughs> off. What the fuck do you? What kind of miracle do you expect me to pull here? But yeah, I agree. Dennis Dennis O'Hare is uh, really really kind of against cast here. Like he's not usually that hardcore, uh, and, and like playing some sort of rich, powerful guy, which I thought was cool. But also, yeah, I, I agree that opening sequence is. And I think he's he's digesting being called a janitor because it's then that he refers to himself as a janitor. Um, I think that so much Mm -hmm. of what you're seeing over these four days unfold is um, the dissolution of the life that uh, Michael Clayton had built for himself. It's not just the restaurant that has collapsed his his exit. Um, It's also, you know, this the ground that he stands on, uh, in terms of being this fixer or whatever, and the, whatever pride he has in himself that there's also that sequence where the, his former cop friends, like you got your lawyer friends convinced you're a cop. You got your cop friends convinced you're a lawyer, but you mm. know what you really are. Mm-hmm. so you, you, you do feel like he is, um, ambiguous about himself.
5: And it works for me, in my opinion, as an excellent story about, <clears throat> um, value and having value in yourself and your your own worth like a lot of people make fun of the horse scene they, they're like they roll their eyes and they're like hey, you got to throw this in there uh just to like to try to seem arty or important but i was tearing up watching it man um it, it reminds me of someone who you've you've got michael clayton who sees these majestic noble powerful animals that can do anything in the wild okay and yet they have these harnesses on them, these nooses, they're tied down, they belong to someone. Uh, but at this moment they're free. And that's Michael. He he's free to make his own choices, and he has this history and this this power in front of him. Uh and and it's it's a great moment for him to kind of act on that. I, I've beautiful. never heard
4: anyone make fun of that scene. Um, like I said at the start of things, but I think in that of the movie, that's the scene I think of because I think it's a incredibly profound scene, uh, where we're not told what he's thinking but we can certainly feel it um that he's that he's you know contemplating life etc um i think it's really really powerful scene
2: i wouldn't roll up on some horses like that they might run me over or stampede
4: me i'd be terrified i know that you're not around horses much have you
2: Exactly. Well, I mean like no. I'm not, so I'm I'm afraid. Like, oh don't hurt me that's what I'd be thinking. But then again, you I might, hadn't been through like my best friend died and blah blah blah. You know, everybody You don't want to roll up and...
4: behind them, roll up in front of them, so long as you don't roll oh. up behind them surprise them, you're Kind of okay. I just
2: asked my mom's boyfriend. He has horses. If I if
5: I see three horses on a hill, I'm going to roll up on them because <laughs> yeah, I'll be afraid that yeah. my car exactly. will blow up Coming if I don't.
2: Coming in up on
4: 2023, it. George Clooney in three horses
2: on a hill. How
4: he, how realistic? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Oh,
2: it's gonna be a a uh, what do they call it? Oh shit! See, this is what happens. I fucked you up. Sorry. It's Any gonna series? be a, it's gonna be a uh, one tree hill. The one that becomes four. It's a precursor. What's the word? i blew it i ruined the yeah it's pretty cool i ruined the joke there's a new series coming out 2023 three horses on a hill a prequel to michael clayton i
4: think like i helped you ruin that joke but maybe it wasn't that good in the first place it would have been better <laughs> in the rising. Clayton rising yeah i was gonna clayton say forever uh, how how realistic is you north as a company
3: oh hell yeah, right? For fucking oh, hell the, yeah. The,
4: the, the green leaf logo the 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 soil that 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 when he's when when Arthur Edens is like <laughs> re-recording that thing and watching that commercial. It's the so,
3: seeds. Like, so that's it's GE, so right? There. We're
4: looking at GE or Monsanto or whatever fucking company. Oh, like, yeah. hey, we are poisoning the planet, and we're going to sell you on the idea that we are good for the planet, and we're going to have we're good for children, we're good for all of this stuff. I thought that was just so <laughs> convincing. Like, I'm just like, yeah, we're just we're in reality now. I,
5: I love how the company, even the company itself is a, it's a weed killer. It's a company that destroys things that naturally grow where they right. quote unquote mm-hmm. don't belong. Yeah, we're all
2: complicit <laughs> folks. You're all doing it. I'm guilty. I've ruined everything. Uh, all right. Final thoughts here. Cause we really got to wrap this puppy up here. Any notes we didn't cover any key notes there on your pads?
4: Uh, I, I want to say, um, about, you Karen, can say, you know, one of the, um, was it Eichmann that they say that, you know, the the, the evil is the banality of evil? Right. Like, yes. She's like the most banal evil character on film. I think she's mm-hmm. just so believable in her evilness mm-hmm. because she thinks that she's just ambitious and driven and all this stuff. Um, so many villains throughout yeah. history, even ones I've loved, say, like Bill the Butcher literally has like a giant mustache. She can twirl. You know, so many villains have been so like telegraphing their villainy. But Karen is, she is like, she's just stepped right out of the world into that movie. Um, and I, does she, did, did Tilda Swinton deserve an Academy Award for this? I don't know, but it's an incredibly well-written villain.
2: Karen, why did you do that, Karen?
4: Karen, why <laughs> did you do that?
2: Oh, goodfellas.
5: Uh good oh. fellas. I wonder if they, I mean, it's 2007 should i mention this oh no, come I'm not on so I'm not mentioning that. come on you no, got let it out cool. yes. know, I'm, sure I'm supposed to be honest in 2023. i feel like um this could get some flack today because we have karen who's this powerful woman in a man's world trying her best alone to do the best she can and yet like she's just the most biggest like satanic evil bitch in this one i think th- i think nowadays they might try to do uh, uh, actually put something yeah, else in i'm there glad you said this because something. i
2: having just watched andor with no spoilers because gilroy wrote it too so i'm making a connection here he writes these powerful women who are power is power it corrupts no matter what you know Breast or no breasts, whatever the anatomy of your body is within it, you have the controls, you get the opportunity, you have ambition, you want to do things with your life, you want to please people, you want to make money, you want security. Gilroy writes these characters very, very well, a man or a woman. It doesn't matter who it is. You get the hands on the levers and the power control, and it just starts to happen before you even realize what you've done. And I think that's the key with Karen's character. And there's a character in Andor who's a woman. She's very strong in control, and it's very similar to that. He writes... He does a very good job of, uh, like, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, we can all find ourselves in these same situations. But I, I see what you're saying. Dude, he
5: right? was devil's advocate exactly. too, man. Who could forget? Right. One not right. the wine, Kevin. <laughs> um, there's one this in the sequence
4: wine. in the film where, um, where the settlement is about to take place, and Karen is addressing all of mm-hmm. the shareholders, or like the majority shareholders. And it's this not one woman... Guy. In her kind of like pinkish blouse yep. and talking to a room full of old white men all in the same fucking suit. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of wish that, that scene had been sure a little more emphasized in, in her aloneness there. Um and because I, I do think that there's something happening in the movie that they didn't quite want to get into with the fact that she's a woman in this in this arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you're kind of onto something, Eric, because I I feel like that's partly why she's pushing herself extra. But I mean, she got the number for these hitmen from Jeffries. Right. So,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the the code code.
4: so uh, I do think it's 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 made clear that she is not unique <laughs> in this world at yep. all, regardless of her mm. sex. Great um, point. So.
2: All right. Well, that's it. We got to come to a conclusion on what is known as does it hold up? That's our final analysis that we do on the show. Who wants to go first? Anybody excited? Well, I, Anybody I motivated
4: brought it to the table. So I'll, I'll, I'll start. Oh, yeah. We
2: usually do that. Won't you do that,
4: yeah, we do it. Yeah, I will do that. Um. I, again, when, as I said last week, the part of me was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to hold up, but uh, I really hadn't seen it in a long time. And I've got this ever-growing list of movies that I want to watch, and then I'll go to watch and be like, well, no, I'm saving them for the podcast. So um, so mostly I just wanted to watch this fucking movie again, finally. And You know, yeah, as I said last week, I, I... I I was fairly certain it was going to hold up. And I, th- I wanted more to find out. Does it hold up as a great movie? Not as a good movie, but does it hold up as a great movie, does it deserve the acclaim? Does it, does it deserve the, the hushed tones? Does it deserve? um, Does it deserve all of that? And it does. This movie absolutely holds up. Uh, I, again, I, I am calling for someone to remaster this film. Uh, I think, I think it could benefit from a 4k uh, re retouching, but Yeah, it absolutely holds up. It's a brilliant film. Uh, I think we, I I wish we'd praised uh, Clooney's performance a little bit more as well. Um, I mean, he is top of his game here. Um, So much bubbling underneath the surface every time he's on screen, which is almost every moment of the film. Just, so well written I, I can't believe that this is a first time director um, it's uh, and I can't believe that he's done so little sense in terms of direction I mean um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I feel like after Andor and it's uh, so celebrated city. status that maybe we'll, we'll have a, a, a retake on Gilroy films maybe hopefully so yeah uh, if you've not seen Michael Clayton in a while I would recommend revisiting it for sure
2: Gilroy Mr. Gilroy, you're now up. (laughs) Oh, that's well said, Travis. Uh, I'll go next. I think this movie has so much to say, which always kind of strikes me. I dig that. When a movie has a message, but it's not clear what that message might be. It can be convoluted, and you can be looked at from multiple different angles. That's fun. It's interesting. It's entertaining. It's well-written. It's outstandingly acted. Uh, there are very few holes. I wanted to poke a lot of holes in this movie. I really did for some reason. I really wanted to find the holes, and I don't think I could really do it. I feel like I'm always saying movies hold up these days, but God damn it, I can't just change my mind right now on this one because Michael Clayton is so well-written, and you could tell that Gilroy's, it was his baby. He knows a lot about this life. It's very obvious to me that he pays attention, and he's connected, and he's learned. I, I, I wouldn't... It's farcical, and there's some fantastical elements, but there's a lot of true-life elements in this film, which is frightening. It should be more frightening than any thriller or horror film you watch, folks. Like I said, that by-the-numbers disposal of Tom Wilkinson is incredibly frightening and terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's so unnerving. Michael Clayton, you definitely hold up. You're a rock-solid film, and I could never say otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um
5: if you haven't seen uh Injustice oh. for All, the Arthur Penn Al Pacino movie, this would be a really good companion piece. Uh lawyer with a conscience. Uh also fantastic. Uh same kind of spirit as this man. My my I tip my hat to uh Tony Gilroy, because him and Clooney, you know that they're fucking like beating it to China syndrome oh. and <laughs> bare view and all these uh, uh the um yeah the candidate, all these like 70s sociopolitical thrillers and like this is such a, a great hearkening back to those man especially that last wow. shot where the credits are just playing Long over this man who's on his way to amazing. the next journey in his life um it's just it's 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 so layered man like i'm watching it and I'm, I'm just wanting to just restart it because like yeah it takes a while to like kind of catch up and get into the rhythm of things but we talked about how it's not spoon feeding its audience man and that, that's an intelligent adult film that's rare. Um, so I, I, really hope we see more stuff from this guy, not just as like a script doctor yeah, right. or whatever the hell he's doing. Uh, it's fantastic filmmaking, man. It's just so rich to look at and James Newton Harvard score is subtle. It, it does its job, but it's not, it's not, um, what's that guy we always make fun of. Ah! <laughs> it's not blancharding <laughs> over the proceedings. <laughs> Uh, and it, it's got a, a career best, easily performed by Tom Wilkinson, who's uh, unjustly overlooked. It, my jaw was on the floor. I mean, how do you do that? Like, how do you get into that mindset and do that and be and be and be genuinely someone you're compassionate about as as a viewer? He doesn't come off like a lunatic. He comes off as the sick, like a sick man that I feel bad for. It's, it's not easy. Um, yeah, it's 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 a fantastic fucking movie. If if you haven't seen it believe the hype because it's it's unbelievable. All right, up three
4: holds up, which I figured was gonna happen, but let's start the year off with a good movie. Why not?
2: Yay, <laughs> it's a fine sure. choice, Travis. And I think we can all learn a thing or two from one Michael Clayton, Esquire. <laughs> he is nah. an Esquire. It works. He is. Yay! Yeah. All right there it is. Cinema at gmail.com. Five star reviews. Like us, subscribe. You know, we're chaptering up our videos. So if you just want to skip to the end, we got chapters for you. If you would just want to know how does it hold up? You can go right to it. It's marked for you. If you want to dive into the minutia of the critics, we got that for every video that we do as of recently. That's the best way I can describe it. Okay. Next week. Yeah. Okay. Next week. All right. It's all righty then. Eric, all right.
3: All right. Okay.
2: Now. Eric Brantram, you're up next week. You're doing a film that hmm. we'll be doing a film and you will select it. What will that film be? It's a film
5: that I'm actually going to dedicate to your honor, Mike. In appreciation oh, no. of you pulling oh, thank through you. COVID. Agent? Um, I've been saving this one for you, Michael. I wanted to make sure. You cannot get sick <laughs> again. I want no bullshit next week. Don't go to the casino. Don't put your money into any machines. I need you on time for this one. Because we're going back to 1992 for a ridiculous wild card. Remember last time I said I was going to pull out a yes. wild card you guys went with In Bruges? I don't even know how to introduce this one, man, um, but it, it, it was a big hit in the day, man. $49 million budget pulls in $352 million at the box office in 1992, but it's only known for a couple of offhand things and some jokes, but I think it's it deserves a look, man, from director Paul oh! Verhoeven, a script by Joe Esterhausen.
3: Yeah. Basic instinct. <laughs>
2: Woo! Wow. Hell yeah. This is, that is a wild card. Yeah. yeah. Wow is right, dude. Man. I don't Man, know. Wow. Maybe it's good. I mean, I've it's been a long time. I've watched this movie many times. Wow. <laughs> I, I wow. Well, you I've definitely get to see this. it when you were a kid. So if you if you yeah. missed the period where masturbation was part of your teenage years and you just weren't able to be there, because I masturbated this movie a lot, I'm not going to lie about it. I'm very honest about who I am. It's okay. It's natural.
5: This has to be like a five. The, Michael Douglas has to be in the five-timers club for a leading role Holy in a shit. 79 yeah. Spotlight movie wow. right now with this one.
4: Well, it, it'll be our 143rd episode, though, so it's also getting, you know, the weeds are getting thicker.
2: <sighs> yes.
3: Uh,
5: I don't know what'll happen. It's a bonkers choice, but this was, was a huge, this huge hit. Was a, this was a I huge was
2: rewriting hit. my Co- favorite over. director's oh. list uh, last week while I was sick, and Verhoeven's name was in the mix. I don't know if he's still in the top three or not, which we did last year with Brian Madison. We talked about it. Did I say he was number one? You said yeah, he was number it, one. It's very fluid because there's guys I love. Yeah, and he's definitely in there. He's he's gonna have a lot to say next week when we do Basic Instinct. What a shocking pick! This is a this is definitely our <laughs> most risque, yeah. sexualized. Uh, yeah, we're gonna enter. We've never, never had erotic porn <laughs> in <that laughs> show. Can we uh, poop shoot sluts? Remember that one? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> That's a real tape. That's a real tape. It's a real movie. You guys were there. Don't act like you never saw it. It was red. It was very strange. I didn't like (laughs) it. I thought it was shitty. I would say it doesn't hold up, but you know. (laughs) Got a (laughs) punk. That's unintentional.
4: Well, guys. This is going off the fucking
2: Basic Instinct, next week. What a way to Uh, end the show. I I never saw the sequel. Basic Instinct, too. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. I'm sure we will hear more about it. I would love to talk about Basic Instinct, too. I might have to go watch that, just so I'm fully prepared. It's going to be fun. All right. Next week, we're doing 1992's Basic Instinct, a big hit financially. Eric is right about that. What a surprise. We hope you enjoyed our Michael Clayton show. Thank you, everybody. This is the Cinnamon iPod. He's Travis. He's Eric. I'm Michael. And uh, we'll see ya.
3: I got a quote. <laughs> I, got
4: a, um, I got nothing. Patina of shit. Ramblings.